Well, as you know, we have a baby dedication coming up at the end of this platform. <clears throat> and I have been practicing preparing for this baby dedication for a few uh, months now, actually, <clears throat> because I am worried that I will cry. Now, every baby naming makes me cry a little bit. That's all right. I, I'm worried that, that I will cry so that I will not be able to continue the dedication in a way that would be appropriate and um, understandable. Uh, <laughs> it's true that every baby naming makes me cry, and Leah, I have to say that music was not helping. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Weddings make me cry, too, every time I have to collect myself before, before I start speaking as the couple makes their way up. Usually they're crying, so then a lot of people are crying, just kind of whole thing of crying. You know, we cry at these wonderful, happy events because they are moments of love expressed, I think. But it's not just somehow because of that love that's expressed, and it's not just because of the happiness, though they are surely happy moments in life. The thing is that weddings and baby namings, they're also complex events. I often think about that with weddings where I get to be around not just for the moment of beauty, you know, under the canopy of roses, but for the planning and the weeks and months before that, for the rehearsal, for the last-minute jitters. Weddings are happy, and they're also scary and sad, there's a loss experienced by the families of origin, by the mothers and fathers as their children unite in marriage and as they know in that moment that their families will never be exactly the same again. And there's a fear and a loss experienced by the couple too, I find. You know, marriage is a choice and it's a limiting one in some ways, a limiting of possibility even as we make that choice, perhaps with great joy, about the yes we are saying. There's still a loss somewhere right there in the marriage. When I uh, plan with couples, when I officiate and prepare with them, I find that it is helpful to acknowledge the complexity of the event for them and for their families as well. In fact, it's one of the reasons that I like to do wedding rehearsals. The truth is it's not really that hard to figure out where to stand during a wedding. You don't actually need a whole hour to practice doing it. The hour is a time for us to come together and feel all those big, complex feelings so that we've practiced those before the big day comes. And so, too, during a baby naming, happy events and complex ones, especially perhaps this one, which is why I'm so worried about the tears. Sandra and Tom Bishop, Melody's parents, have been open with their journey toward adoption of Melody, who came into their family's lives as a very tiny baby and into this community's life as a very tiny baby as well just a few days old. And one way to read that story, and a true way to read that story, is one of triumph and joy, of the hoops that have been jumped through and the tests passed, the courts convinced, 
so that finally Melody can be legally adopted by this family who has loved her so much from the very start. Now, that's a true way to read that story, but it's not the only way either. Another way, and I share with Sandra and Tom's permission, is to see the story of loss in that story. Because along with the joy of this new family that is created, or that really has been creating itself for quite some time now, this family that is formalized and legalized now, along with that great joy is a sadness, too, of a family that could not be. And in our desire to celebrate the new family, we sometimes forget about the family that wasn't or that wasn't quite in the way it might have been that will be in a different way now, not exactly the same. I felt that most acutely in this case when the bishops were getting ready to go to court for the termination of parental rights. Those of you who know Sandra know that she posts on Facebook about every 20 minutes, I would say. (laughs) And so, of course, she posted on Facebook as she was getting ready for that moment. And she wrote, as she was preparing for that court, um, as all of them, the whole family was preparing for the court, she wrote, to remember, friends, when you post, that this isn't just a hooray moment, that this is a moment of compassion and care for all people involved, that it was a moment of loss in some ways, even though it was also one of the key moments in the bishop's journey toward adopting Melody. For me, it was a moment of realization that joy and loss are so often intertwined in our lives. And a moment of realization, too, about the deep interconnectedness that we have with so many people. And so I have been thinking about that idea, that joy and loss intertwined in our lives the way they are, and wondering what our tradition, our ethical culture tradition offers us in moments of either of those, of joy, of loss, and of the way they are woven together so often. Bill Murray, a Unitarian Universalist humanist minister, wrote in A Faith for All Seasons about what this tradition can offer in times of crisis and loss, in times of grief. He talks about the connection that we feel with each other, the way that grief and loss calls us closer together. And he talks about the central affirmation of our religious tradition, an affirmation that life is worth living even when it is so hard, we can hardly bear it. I think, too, there's something in the acknowledgement of the complexity of life that is a help in itself. An acknowledgement of the fullness of the human condition, that life doesn't fit, you know, into nice little boxes. Mine never has, anyway that boxes aren't what it means to be human. That being human instead is messy and confusing. That it's joy and sorrow woven together in a single thread. Human community is like that too, joy and sorrow woven together. 
both in a family and in a big congregation like ours. We at West have had a few months of hard goodbyes and challenging times. And we're still in that, still grappling with that loss, some of us very personally and intensely, others as a congregational system. And at the same time, at the same time, we are also preparing for new possibilities, for hellos and new ideas, for babies born into the congregation and named here. Sometimes it feels like it is just too much to hold. The goodbye and hello, the loss and the joy. And yet that is what life calls us to hold. Or anyway, it's what we get in life, whether we wanted it or not. We get the joy of seeing our children grow up and the pain of losing their babyhood. We get the joy of starting a new job in a new city and the pain of losing the friends and community that we had in the old one. The source of all of this, I think, is our connection with each other. It's because of that deep connection that the pain, then, of disconnection can be so acute. And it's because of that deep sense of connection, too, that we are aware of the way that our joy might be another's pain the way that joy and sorrow are woven together. I remember when I was a child, I used to wish upon the stars a lot. I actually wished on a variety of things. When the clock turned 11-11, you know, you can make a wish then. Or when the little part of your necklace goes down and meets the pendant, you can make a wish then. I'm just telling you so you know for future reference. And then obviously the first star that comes out at night, you can make a wish then, and that's a really good one. It comes true. And so I used to wish on stars when I was little, and and what I used to wish for was that everyone in the world would be happy. (laughs) You might remember the movie Evan Almighty. Do you remember that movie? It's with Jim Carrey. No, maybe it's Bruce Almighty. Anyway, it's the one with Jim Carrey is what I'm thinking of. And uh, Bruce, thank you. And, um, and Jim Carrey gets to be uh, God for a series of months, I think. And, um, and so he has all of these prayer requests coming in, into him. And they come in on his, um, in his email, which seems convenient, um, except that there's, you know, millions of them. And so he decides he's going to take care of it all at once. And he just hits reply all yes. Every single request is granted. It doesn't work out that well. (laughs) There are a lot of lottery winners, except they could only win like a cent each, you know. The problem is that people's prayers, our hopes, our wishes, sometimes they conflict with each other. And our connection to each other, our interconnection in life, the way that our hopes and desires overlap and conflict and come together and come apart, that whole thing can be a painful experience in the world. But that connection, too, is our salvation, I think. In ethical culture, in humanism, and in liberal religious traditions in general, there are no sort of pat answers about things working out for a particular reason. 
Instead, there is that acknowledgement that life is messy and hard, that sometimes there is pain right in there with the joy. And even in all of that, there is the possibility of what I would call grace. Remember grace? We talked about it a couple of months ago, and I used this metaphor I really like, that grace is like the sparkles in the sidewalk, you know, that you see sometimes when you walk around. Yes, exactly. And actually, the sparkles in the sidewalk are come from feldspar mixing in with cement. So it's okay. There can be a really nice scientific explanation. So you feel comfortable. But that feldspar, those sparkles, that grace in the world... I think sometimes it is most beautiful when it isn't planned out at all but springs up like a wildflower in the middle of what you think is a desert. I don't mean to say that we want hard things to happen in our lives. We don't. I don't, anyway. But when they do happen, sometimes we find that joy is threaded through. You know, just the way pain gets woven in with our joy, the opposite is true as well. And joy, connection, newness, love gets woven in with our pain. We bring it sometimes into each other's lives, a bouquet of those wildflowers, grace offered. Bill Murray talks about this idea in that book, A Faith for All Seasons, as the idea that every crisis brings with it an opportunity for growth. I like the way Rumi said it too. Remember our wise Persian poet of the moon this morning. Sorrow prepares you for joy, he wrote. It violently sweeps everything out of your house so that new joy can find space to enter. It shakes the yellow leaves from the bow of your heart so that fresh green leaves can grow in their place. It pulls up the rotten roots so that new roots hidden beneath have room to grow. Whatever sorrow shakes from your heart, far better things will take their place. There's a saying from the Hasidic tradition as well, the Jewish tradition, that you read the sacred texts so that the words are written on your heart. But it's when your heart breaks that the words can come inside your heart. We don't have sacred texts, really, but I think our relationships, our care for each other, our connection with the world works in just the same way, written on our heart and only coming in when it breaks open. At a workshop earlier this week here at Wes on skeptical spirituality, one of the participants talked about sorrow and pain and about how it opens us up to compassion, that we can't really hold compassion in the same way until we have felt pain first. The thread of life is woven fine. Pain and joy woven right together. I often use thread as a metaphor for our connection with each other. 
the ethical manifold, the way that each of us as individuals are connected to each of the other and all across the neighborhood and the city and the world. We are connected to each other by that thread, that thread of pain and joy. It is where our justice work comes from in this tradition, I think, from that sense of connection to each other and from the connection also of pain and joy together. I was at a Washington Interfaith Network retreat yesterday with three West members as well there, and we were talking in a go-round about where we get our righteous anger. Where in the city do we see something that makes us angry? We talked a lot about D.C. General Shelter. You may have seen the article that just came out in the Post, and you've seen coverage surely in months past about the conditions at the shelter. Conditions that are inhumane. And we asked each other in that go-round, how can we allow in our city for children to be treated in this way? But woven into that anger and sadness is the joy, too, of possibility. The knowledge that people working together can make change in a situation, as they've made change in so many others. And the knowledge, deeper still, that there is some joy in the connection, even in the pain that we feel when we see another human being treated in a way we find unacceptable. Embedded in that pain is the joy of connection to that person. That there is some love that connects us to each other, that connects me to you and you to a resident at D.C. General and her to another resident, a little boy and that little boy to you. It is our humanity that connects us, a humanity that is joy and sorrow together. It is our humanity that makes us cry at weddings and at baby namings, that sees that life is wonderful and terrible and rich. And that it is both our joy and our sorrow, the tears that both inspire and the way that they weave together that makes us human and connects us one to the other. I close with words from Khalil Gibran on joy and sorrow. Your joy is your sorrow unmasked, and the selfsame well from which your laughter rises was oftentimes filled with your tears. And how else can it be? The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Is not the cup that holds your wine the very cup that was burned in the potter's oven? And is not the lute that soothes your spirit the very wood that was hollowed with knives? When you are joyous, look deep into your heart and you shall find it is only that which has given you sorrow that is giving you joy. When you are sorrowful, look again in your heart, 
and you shall see that in truth you are weeping for that which has been your delight. May we find today delight and sorrow, joy and pain woven right together. And may the thread that it weaves connect us more deeply one to the other.